this episode of Goodbye Mellowbrook Road. It's brought to you by the sponsor that I have. It's, um, you know, American Apparel, because when we think American Apparel, we think, we think clothing, we think America, we don't think those, those silly little red hats, we think straight up real American clothing, you know, you know what I'm talking about, I mean, it's like what everyone wants in their clothing, they want effortless basics, they want iconic fashion favorites for women, for men and for kids, they want t-shirts, hoodies, they want denim and more. And you know what they want even more than they want denim? They want free shipping on orders that exceed the cost of $50 and also free returns. The coupon code that you're going to want to use, it's going to be called EVER20AA. It's in all caps, E-V-E-R-2-0-A-A. Not Alcoholics Anonymous, of course, American Apparel. The offer is $20 off $100 sets of clothing. And now this episode features the first ever recurring guest on the podcast. We had her on almost three months ago with the two people who are probably the two people that we have the most in common with each other. And, uh, you know, she's on her way to getting one of those Steve Martin smoking jackets in the uh the old the old five timers club i have my sister and according to facebook messenger it says nicole lee and mellow i don't know of anyone else who has seen black panther and wasn't on an episode two weeks ago so here we are doing oh i might have been a little bit of a spoiler top five black panther moments it's a movie that we have to discuss on this podcast welcome back to the podcast it's a pleasure, and I'm thrilled to hear that if I come on five times, I will get a Steve Martin smoking jacket. Just the Steve Martin kind, not the Buck Henry kind. Well, good, because God knows I would have left if it was the Buck Henry kind. Buck Henry was hit in the head with John Belushi's samurai sword while recording, while doing the samurai, uh, whatever, samurai hotel sketch. And was it a prop? It was a prop, yes, but it still cut oh. him. Oh. And he kept acting like our friend, Mr. DiCaprio. That's impressive. Like, uh, like our buddy Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Who just to... broke his ankle on set, and you can see the shot of him breaking his ankle, getting up and running through the rest of the shot. The future Charles Manson. I, I would say that's, <laughs> that's probably correct. He, uh, Tom Cruise, not in Black Panther, but not. that's the one spoiler you're going to hear before the spoiler warning. There's going to be spoilers in this episode because we can't really get into our top five Black Panther moments if we're not allowing spoilers. So there's going to be, well, I don't know if maybe your list doesn't have spoilers, but mine has a bunch. I think mine is only spoilers. I'm looking at my roommate's bed. Um, my bed has legs on it. And it's just straight up bed legs. His bed has legs, but there's little cones around the legs. As a warning? I don't know. It's what's that line? Oh, Joshua Trundle. He's like, I don't know. I I don't know. What's the girl? <laughs> so I'm gonna kick off this little. Well, maybe we should discuss the movie first, because yeah. it's a movie that has. 
just broken another record as of 20 minutes ago. Oh. It's been confirmed that it had the highest grossing Monday in box office history. Wow, that's impressive. It beat uh, The Force Awakens by $200,000. Wow. Wow, that's impressive. That's great news. It is the... It has already become the highest grossing movie of all time by a black director. It just, in four days, it topped the entire lifetime gross of The Fate of the Furious. Wow. I find Kugler should put that on his wall. The Coogs just sent out a little message on Instagram thanking everyone because he's apparently only on, well actually he is on Instagram. He's not on Twitter. He's not on Twitter? The Coogs has issued his thanks and his gratitude and it has easily become the it had a bigger opening weekend than Avengers Age of Ultron and Captain America Civil War. So wow. this is the this is a quite the film and people have really responded to it because it has the highest Rotten Tomatoes score of any superhero movie ever released. It actually went up to 98% topping The Incredibles which had 97%. Wow. It, it That's def- really big. It has defeated The Dark Knight and Iron Man by 3 points each. Oh. So Black Panther is a bit of a phenomenon right now. Yeah, you're not kidding. What are your thoughts on the film? I really loved it. I saw it Thursday night, opening night, and then the next day I went, I was like, I have to go back, and I went back and saw it again Friday night. And is it true you're going back again? Probably. I will. (laughs) I know mom and dad want to see it, so if they want company, I'll go. I was invited to see it with a a new person that I've met and I couldn't make it I was working so I went on my own I got a Cuban sandwich beforehand and then I saw Black Panther and this is where the spoilers are going to start um actually maybe I'll save this for later but I sat next to a black man who had the time of his life and it made it all worth it but there's a little story I'll tell a little bit later about this man that Uh, was kind of the especially the first night I was there was the since I'm here in Boston, we have a very we have a very diverse population, and my audience the first night, I think, was primarily black people, and it was just it was really cool to see people reacting like how I reacted to Wonder Woman, just like so glad that this movie existed. It's definitely been quite the uh, like I remember there was the earliest projections for Black Panther were that it was going to match about Ant Man's debut in the box office and then yeah. I saw it was just one of those tweets that pops up on your timeline for somebody you've never heard of before who's like at name is lol real jeff or whatever and yeah. it has like 300,000 likes and it just said black people about to come out for this movie and then sure enough I think I saw it in Orlando in downtown Disney and I I think was like one of two white people there so it's <laughs> cool it is nice to see that and I saw a lot of children too and it's just it's cool for them to have that be what they can project themselves upon it's so good i'm so glad i'm sure john cho is just waiting for his chance what do you think john cho is going to direct for marvel john cho wants to have asian kids look up to him the same way black kids are now looking up to chadwick boseman they should be seeing star trek beyond is he never canon is he gay in that one too? Yeah, he's gay in all of them, but they show that he's gay in Beyond. Do they show like penetration? No, not full penetration. Just him and his husband and their daughter. Just the tip? 
<laughs> just, just the tip of the homosexual family. Well, Star Trek, it's getting there. As for Black Panther, I'm going to start this list off. That way it ends with you and it doesn't end with me and then it's like an awkward thing. So number, uh, my number five moment of Black Panther, and we'll do honorable mentions later. My, okay. num- my number five is, well, I, that's kind of like a letdown if you go from number one to honorable mentions. So we should do honorable mentions first. Okie dokie. We're, we're making it up on the fly here, all 12 of my listeners. Yeah, we're winging it. Num- my honorable mention, I have one of them. It is when the movie ends, which sounds bad, but it's not because <laughs> just as good as the movie is the song All the Stars by Kendrick Lamar and SZA, S-Z-A. It's, it, there's a pronunciation for it and that I do not know, but yeah. I l- love that song. I think it sounds really dope. And it, the movie ended with that going right into the credits. And the credits were pretty cool with the song attached. And I was totally into it. That was a cool moment. And everyone left, but I knew I was staying for those post credit scenes, which were scrumptious. And so I was more than happy to listen to that song as the credits rolled. Oh, yeah. That, that song and truly the whole soundtrack and the score were phenomenal. I think some of Marvel's best. It's right up there with the Guardian soundtracks. Yeah. Just like, I don't know, the use of drums alone is enough to rocket it to the top. Call Phil Collins because somebody needs to take him home because he's no longer needed as a drummer. All right. Goodbye, Phil. Disney's through. No more Tarzan for him. (laughs) No. He's George of the Jungle fodder now. Call up Brendan Fraser. He'll take it. What are your honorable mentions? I have three honorable mentions. Um, first is Shuri showing off the armor to T'Challa for the first time. Mm. Because it's not it's not really a moment, and also like it's more subtle than the rest of them. So I, I don't I don't think it like got up in my top five for like just these moments where I was like wow. But I thought that it was just a really good one, not only for their like sibling relationship but also for Shuri as a character she's just like showing him all the tech and knocking his ego down a little bit and you get to see him kind of like humbled and see her character be very fun and cool I really like enjoyed that it's a good pick I like it I liked her um my second was the waterfall fights the first set of those I really liked uh seeing all the different tribes all together in that shot where they like pan up and you see everyone on the rocks together and they're all singing and then he fights in his mask I just thought it was a really cool uh, scene nice I think I dig it as well and uh, my third which is funny because this is like a huge moment but for me it did not make my top five is how they reveal um, the origin of Killmonger and how T'Chaka killed his own brother in the apartment with the uh, Sterling K. Brown. Yes, when he uh, he goes to the to pull the to pull the gun and kill his uh, buddy there, and instead he gets some Black Panther claws in his chest, and then his son finds him and is radicalized. I thought that was a really good moment, but did not make my top five. Well, very nice, very nice. I cannot comment on these just uh, yet, but uh, <laughs> my number five selection is. Shuri showing off her technology that she came up with for um, T'Challa. I think that 
the way that they have the way that they developed um Shuri uh Okoye and Lupita Nyong'o's character whose name I'm now forgetting Nakia Nakia was great they were each like they're like I knew of Lupita Nyong'o beforehand and I didn't know the other two actors until um the Black Museum episode of Black Mirror which featured Letitia Wright and so I was very unfamiliar with them and I kept getting their names confused and I didn't know who was doing what and who was going to be in Infinity War and who wasn't but the way that uh, they were characterized in the movie they were finally able to I could set them apart as these individual people who were all great and well developed on their own and most of Shuri's comes with the fact that she's like better at technology than like Rocket and Iron Man put together and uh, so and just like the showing all, all those scenes was great but the best part of it for me was when like she just kept like giving T'Challa shit the whole time just like roasting him constantly and uh just like like the little handshake they did and all those things that just like humanized the two of them was like they're the next Disney princess and Disney prince I guess turned king but uh I was into that I liked it it was cool to see all the interesting technology that she'd come up with especially the absorbing of kinetic energy I thought that was incredible, and I honestly was thinking, by the end of that, like, in that scene, I was like, huh, this would be interesting, but by the end, I was thinking that, like, since Tony Stark is clearly, if not dying, then, like, not going to be involved anymore, that she would be a great replacement for him. Over at Stark Industries? Yes, and even, like, even her name is Shuri, and in the comics, his replacement right now is Riri Williams, so they could even call her Riri. Well, that's perfect. You heard it here first, uh, Taika. Sign him up. Please, God. But yeah, she, I. It's a re, that's a really good scene, and I I think she might have been my favorite character in the movie. I'm gonna go with Martin Freeman. <laughs> Your favorite's Ross. I love the white people. <laughs> How can we get uh, Andy Circus to come back to life? Well, he can just play CGI, whatever. <laughs> He's playing CGI Martin Freeman. What is your number five selection? My number five is the second post credit scene when Bucky comes back. Um, I was I knew that it had to come at some point. Like I was fully expecting that Bucky was, if not going to be at the end of the movie, then going to be in a post credit scene. But um, not not only is he looking healthy and very great, but there was like a tie in comic where Shuri develops like an antidote so that he's not the winter soldier anymore like that like the trigger words thing is gone so now he's healthy like he said it's bucky so it's like we got bucky back and they called him white wolf which is a black panther character so i'm not sure if this is going to be an easter egg thing or if he's literally going to be the white wolf but it raised a lot of questions and was a lot of fun and i was really happy to have that like that tie back into everything else and bucky is one of my favorites so i was just happy to see him at all Black Panther worked exceptionally well with its status as, like, an origin solo movie. And it yeah. was very apart from the rest of the Marvel Universe, except for, like, Claw and Ross. But having Bucky tied in was great. And he, do you think, I feel like he looked like a Christ figure. I, I was saying, <laughs> one of my friends here was snapping, like, yes, he did. He looked like a prophet. Like, he was, like, healthy, like, his hair all, like, down and, like glowing and this beautiful outfit like yeah he was looking very jesusy i think he's gonna be a, he's a good guy coming up it feels like that was the final 
um, chess piece to get in order for Infinity War. Because, like, now we have the Guardians team is formed and Groot's, like, growing. They got that all set up. Thor is all, like, that chess piece was in place. And Iron Man and Captain America are split up. And now we have um, Bucky is well and unfrozen. And now yes. Infinity War is all in place to unfold. Yeah, so everything's, like, settled. You're right, he is, like, the last piece that they would have been concerned about. Everyone's all, all the chess pieces are in position now. Yeah. And no more work yeah, needs to be Thor done. Thor and Bruce are on their way back, so. Ant-Man's on the run. Which is apparently going to be addressed in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Apparently that takes place before Infinity War. Does it? According to Reddit user SuckAss3000 or whatever the fuck his name was. Oh, I'm familiar with his work. He is a great shit poster. <laughs> so yeah, I'll have, well, that's interesting. I'm looking forward to that then. Because I wonder what Ant-Man will be like in Infinity War then. What context will we be missing? I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I guess so. What we don't have to wait and see for is my number four, because you have to wait and hear for it. My number four selection was on, it came not during the movie, but on January 11th, 2016, when Ryan Coogler was announced as the director of Black Panther, because it was the first time that I can think of where Marvel needed him. Marvel needed this director. The director did not need Marvel. And Creed, I think, is... Like, I'm not a big sports movie guy, but I think Creed is pretty good. I've not seen Fruitvale Station, but apparently it's good. And it just, like, even despite the fact that when this was announced, I didn't see either of these movies, it was clear that he was, like, his own kind of director. He was a visionary. He was on the list of the 30-whatevers to watch under 30. And it was just Marvel needed him, and he delivered. He and really so did deliver. It was a great pick. If they I think I'm pretty sure I remember them trying to court Ava DuVernay at one point, if I remember correctly. But it clearly worked out for the best. I think either of them would have been good, but I think Coogler, the Coogs, he delivered. She was busy making a wrinkle in time. Yeah, Disney got both of their white whales. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would agree. That's <laughs> that is truly a great moment for Black Panther. Getting him as a director. He is a I'd say one of the few directors for Marvel who made the audience cheer in the movie theater. At mul- multiple times probably too. Multiple points. And just from the beginning onward, just people were as I think the museum scene was where people started really going, "Oh, I see what this movie's going to be." The biggest cheers in my theater const- were constantly happening with uh, every scene that had M'Baku in it. Oh, really? Yes. We had some big cheers for uh, him barking at Ross until he showed up. That's pretty good. The, we uh, also, our biggest cheer was for Shuri when she, Ross surprised her saying, don't sneak up on me, colonizer. Is there a chance that that scene was your number four selection? There is a chance, but it is not a good one. Uh-oh. My number four selection was um, 
T'Challa's coronation and visit to the ancestral plane the first time. So when he's he's talking to his father about the responsibilities of becoming king that are weighing on him, and he's like comparing what he knows he has to do as king with his own moral code and with what he wants to do with his country, and he's realizing these three things are going to have to reconcile and come together. So he's like, it's like a very subtle but beautiful way of introducing the ethos of the film, and like, it was just a beautiful scene. Like I remember us talking about it when we first saw the trailer with it, with that just like beautiful shot of him in all white approaching the tree filled with panthers with that like purple sky behind him. But it was just a beautiful scene, visually and like structurally and emotionally, and the dialogue. It was just all very well done. I have a lot of thoughts on this scene. And they're gonna have to wait. <laughs> wink, wink. But I think you did a good job saying what made it so great. That was so good. My number three selection is something that you've already touched on. It is when T'Challa and my favorite character of the movie, Eric Killmonger, are fighting on the waterfall. And I'm, I was pretty sure that T'Challa was gonna get beaten by M'Baku earlier in the movie. And it'd be like, oh, how can he redeem himself? But he seemed to handily uh, destroy M'Baku, and this was when he got defeated, and I was surprised. Yeah. And it's pretty much like he should have been dead. But the way that they have it where it was M'Baku who saved him, it's like, well, at least they had set that up earlier in the movie, so it doesn't seem like uh, Deus Ex Machina. But the, the whole way the fight scene is structured is great and then it goes into that like tilting camera type thing when Killmonger is becoming the king oh that was great Michael B. Jordan just acts the shit out of the scene he completely one-ups Chadwick Boseman (laughs) and uh yeah he's just all the drumming and Daniel Kaluuya looking like he doesn't really give a shit but he's like still doing the shoulder shrug thing anyway just the whole thing was great just the the scene the part of the scene where he's saying like is this your king over and over as he just like beats T'Challa into the ground. I was just like, like you could feel that. Yeah. And that like awesome. the end fight scene between the two and the, on the like the train tracks, basically like it looked cool, but it was kind of like generic. Like it wasn't as like thrilling as the waterfall was. That fight honestly reminded me of the Spider-Man Sandman fight. That's a that's well that's the greatest comic book fight of all time. <laughs> How can you compare? There's no real argument to be made. My argument for my third choice is uh the car chase scene. Ooh, the one that yes. they showed in the trailer every fucking time. Yes, and uh even though kind of knew what it was going in, I truly loved it. I loved getting to see the Black Panther in action. I loved getting to see them, like, not, like, playful, but more playful than they are in any other fight in the movie. Just kind of, like, going back and forth and knowing each other's strengths and, like, playing to those strengths. And you also get Shuri, Okoya, and Nakia all, like, showing off while also showing off some of Shuri's, like, insane tech, like that car, the new armor, like, the energy absorption. I, it, it was just an all-over cool scene. And it comes right after the great moments in the casino. Yes, I loved that casino scene too. That I could, I should have put that in my honorable mentions, but that one was awesome. It was like two back to back great moments. Yeah. 
but yeah the car chase i truly just loved it and it was i believe shot on location Ooh, that's even cooler because at the end because that was in korea and i believe at the end it was it listed korean cities i like that yeah i i love the car chase korea is probably like stop stop sending your superheroes here <laughs> we don't want you isn't that where black widow was in age of ultron I don't remember. I saw Age of Ultron maybe twice, and I did not enjoy it. I think she isn't. I think that's when she's like beep beep. Oh really? I think that's that scene. I think I think Cap is there too. All right. Well, they have to leave Korea alone. The uh, this is when like if you're still listening to the podcast, you're like they're spoiling everything. Number one, why? Number two, don't listen to this next part, but because my number two selection is the death of Eric Killmonger. Oh my god, that's my number two. Really? Yep. Alright, you go ahead. I said that his death, especially, like, he's starting to die. He compliments T'Challa on how he killed him. And then T'Challa takes him up to the sunset to show him that last, like, Wakandan sunset that his dad wanted him to see. T'Challa offers to save him, and then he, Killmonger has that like gut punch line that I'm shocked is in a Marvel movie, but like, it's the one that's like, I'm going to die like how my slave ancestors died jumping off the ship knowing that death was better than bondage. And just dying, just like this killer moment. It was just so beautiful in front of that sunset with T'Challa watching his cousin die and knowing that he was right, but too far gone to understand what was wrong. It's kind of like a, like, I will always, I think one of the strongest parts of what makes the Marvel movies so accessible is that they have great writing, but I think that that line is probably the best example of Marvel writing, which is saying something compared to uh, any line in Thor Ragnarok. (laughs) It's true. But uh, it's great. It was a great death scene, and I think it was an interesting parallel, too. Like, there were a lot of parallels in the movie, like the way that they were both holding their fathers when they died and the different paths that they took and the parallel this was when in civil war when zemo tries to kill himself and he says the dead are not i mean the the living are not done with you yet and then in this one he lets him die because it's just like it's his end he knew it was like two different examples of like the black experience and this is the moment I mentioned earlier when the guy next to me turned to his friend and said, this movie is about everything that's ever happened to black people. And the, his friend next to him said, it's not about Tupac, though. <laughs> and I think that really encapsulated Black Panther. It's, and what a good... Yeah, you're right. Just an amazing moment. And One, it's funny because that reminded me that um, Ren made a comment about um, T'Challa in this movie tying back to Civil War he says to Ross like I let you have um, Zemo which is I think just so indicative of like his power like I let you have Zemo what do you mean I'm confused because in in Civil War he was the one who gets Zemo yes and he and Zemo killed his father but in this movie, he tells Ross, like, I let you have him. Like, T'Challa was like, I could have brought him home and delivered the justice I wanted to. But he was like, whatever, I'll let them take him away. 
Like, he knows he could have done whatever he wanted, but he let them do it instead. I must have been too busy gazing at Martin Freeman because I don't. I just don't remember that. <laughs> I, I, I forget when it was. I, I want to say it was when Andy Serkis was handcuffed to that chair and they were talking. He was like, I let you have Zemo like I want. Oh, okay, yeah, I think I remember that now. And it just, Ren was like, what a power statement. Everything was a power move when it came to Martin Freeman. <laughs> T'Challa. <laughs> He's so good against him. And I don't, I really liked Ross because he, I think he occupied a good space and he is like an existing Black Panther character. So it was a good establishing for the continued he, Black Panther universe with him. He was just happy to help out when he could. He truly was. He was, and especially with like that scene where he was flying Shuri's uh, jet thing there and shooting down the other things. He's like, yeah, I'll sacrifice myself for this country. I get that it's worth it. And Shuri's tech is so good that he lives anyway. It's a, it's a, it was a good Phil Coulson-esque role for Mar uh, Martin Freeman. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Maybe that's what they'll be, he'll become. <laughs> He's the new Coulson, because Coulson's on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now. Fuck Coulson, who gives a shit? <laughs> um, Steve Rogers, circa 2012, getting bloody cards thrown at him. That's what, uh... As long as... To quote the soup, as long as bimbos compete for love. What a quote. Very accessible to your 12 listeners. I think it is indicative of the fact that Phil Coulson, notable bimbo, was competing for the love of Steve Rogers. It's true. He actively flirts with him. And you're right, on his Marvel Wiki page, it says Phil Coulson, S.H.I.E.L.D. director and notable bimbo. Yes. But that's, uh, that's just to come. <laughs> Another notable bimbo comes in at my number one spot. It's a guy who, I didn't know that his eyes were asymmetrical, but apparently they are, because T'Challa's father, <laughs> and I have the scene on my number one list, number one spot on my list is the second time he goes to the Panther Realm, which is what I what I have deemed it, the Panther Realm, and uh, it is, the first one was cool, and it had all the purple, and it was Lion Kingy, and that was pretty dope, but then the second time he goes back is when he just like makes up his mind and he's like you know what we're gonna do the right thing and we're gonna help people and it was just like mostly these when they movies have a scene like that it's like forgiving the father or like it's kind of like with him when harry goes to king's cross in his mind with dumbledore because he's found out all these things about dumbledore and he has to kind of reconcile them but he also needs guidance at the same time and like he can choose if he wants to live or die and instead of like reconciling with his father he's just like no we're gonna do the right thing and I don't care what you have to say about it but it also is purpley and cool and it looks great and it's like purgatory kind of but like where the, the panthers go and just juxtaposed against the fact that Michael B. Jordan just went to like an apartment in Oakland I just thought it was the moment from Black Panther, and I could kind of tell from the trailer as soon as I saw it that it was going to be the moment that stood out for me, and it ended up being just that. It's going to be the one that I take away the same way I take away the um, take, holding a snake turning into Loki story from Ragnarok and the... Just the iconic moments? The um, 
the final battle of New York and the Avengers and um, in Guardians of the Galaxy when they first arrive at Ego's planet. It's just going to be the moment that I remember, and it was my number one. I think in that scene, that moment where his dad is explaining, like, as a king, this is what I had to do, and T'Challa yells at him and says, you're wrong, and looks at them and says, you're all wrong, is, like, in the first ancestral plane scene, when he kneels before his father to tell him he misses him, and his father says, get up, you're a king. This is his moment where he is a king. Like, he's realizing that what his father did as king is not who he is and not the king he's going to be, and he's taking ownership of that and saying, what you did was wrong and I'm going to be better. It's such a great moment. And it's like the next natural progression of the Black Panther, not even like the movie, but like the lineage. Yeah. It's just like the same way like Hank Pym gives, begets Scott Lang, T'Chaka begets T'Challa, and Howard Stark begets Tony Stark, and but each of these people are becoming better versions of their predecessors. Exactly. And exactly. We'll, we'll see a bit more of that with Captain Marvel and uh, whoever the name of Jude Law's character is. Marvel. Okay, it's Marvel, according to He's a Tim Gomez. Hi, Tim. Uh. <laughs> All right, you ready for my number one? I'm ready. Do we need a All drum right. roll the same way that we would get a drum roll before a fight on a waterfall? So mine is the exact moment in the big fight, which is like any big Marvel fight, but looks very cool, is when Wakabi and Okoya meet each other. He jumps off the rhinoceros and he says, you would kill me, my love. And she says, for Wakanda, without question, and pulls her spear on him. And he looks around and realizes what's happened. And he kneels before her and everyone just drops and kneels before her. That just, that scene was, yeah, it was just like the Italian, like, kissing as you're over your prized lasagna. Just like this beautiful moment where Akoya is, like, taking this power and this ownership and protecting Wakanda and its people, which she's been trying to do this whole time. Wakabi's realizing that he's destroying Wakanda and what he's doing, even though he thinks what he was doing was right. Like, this whole battle... And everything in this movie is coming up to this one moment where Wakanda comes first and they both realize it and they'll do anything to do it and they just come together and the whole movie comes together with them. I just, I don't even know how to describe it. Just the best moment. It would have been my number one too if she had said, now you have to get out. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And he was like, oh yeah? Well, what if I just Sicario? And then she's like, well, maybe if you 15 million merits. Well, at that point, I would be like, Ryan Coogler, please. It's a, it's a big... I bet if Get Out had to come out like a year earlier, or two years earlier, maybe Daniel Kaluuya would have been Black Panther. I, Ren told me, and I'm not sure how true this is, but typically he's on the money about these things, but I heard that... uh. They did a couple of reshoots after Get Out came out to spotlight Daniel Kaluuya a little bit more. He should be the next Batman. I could get behind that. I, everyone wants him to be James Bond, but James Bond is boring. Make him Batman. He's the cooler James Bond, but he also yeah. is a bat. 
I would be very into that. You know what I would be into is if, since Ben Affleck is like Batman and he's like old now or whatever, if they were like, here's our Dick Grayson, like Nightwing taking over as Batman now and that's him. That'd be fine. I would be into that. I would be very into that. I didn't even, I have never thought of that, but now I can't stop. That's the difference between the Marvel movies and the DC movies is that Marvel is like, we're going to do Black Panther and we're just going to let these people who are great artists make the movie that they want to make. And then DC's like, we're going to make Batman and he's going to be old and like kind of almost fat. Yeah, DC, I'm hoping that Aquaman will be a turning point for them, but uh, is that wishful thinking because of dad? Wonder Woman was a turning point apparently, but maybe not. Wonder Woman was really good, and then they just turned back around and started licking their own asses again with Justice League, so. Well, when Mom and Dad listen to this episode, we're, they're going to have to know that they saw Justice League in theaters twice, and we've just completely shit on it. <laughs> well, uh, Wonder Woman was so good, and then Justice League just so wasn't. But a movie that was good, Mr. What? Panther... The elegant Mr. B. Mr. Black Panther. They call him Mr. B. Unbelievable. End of what? podcast. Post credit scene, etc. I was gonna. I I had an idea for a post credit scene, but then I realized I don't know how you can do that in an audio medium. <laughs> I have no clue. But what? yeah, Black Panther. I'd recommend it. Do you have a ranking of your Marvel movies? I do. Did th- where did this fall? This is definitely going to be an episode one. Like, maybe after... If this podcast goes on forever, maybe after Avengers 4, I would do... We should, I would, like, get everyone I know who likes Marvel, and we just do top five Marvel movies. I would be into that. But as for now... I will reveal... Well, any, anyone can just go on Letterboxd and find my list anyway, but Black Panther, I put... It's at number six. I have it at number six. It's the only Marvel movie I've given four and a half out of five stars to. Wow. All right. I have it behind the Guardians movies, Ragnarok, Avengers, and Civil War. That's pretty close to what I've got it behind. I just I, couldn't shake it. I had it falling... Originally, right after I saw it, I put it at number three. I ended up moving it to number four um, after Civil War, Winter Soldier, and Ragnarok. It's a good list. I mentioned on the Podfather Kurtz podcast <laughs> that I cameo on frequently, every, every week basically, that... A regular. I think it's probably objectively Marvel's like best accomplishment. Yeah. I think it's better than The Dark Knight. Um, and I think even though it's not it's not my favorite Marvel movie, it's I might be the one that I have the most respect for, and it's the way forward for Marvel. I think that's that's kinda what I came away from it as is like I know objectively that this is probably their best work, but still I enjoyed Ragnarok so much yeah. that it's hard for me to I like having fun. Film. That being said, Black Panther, it's made more money than I'm worth or will ever be worth in just just four days. So if you want to be another drop in that bucket, I'd recommend it. And any last words about Mr. Chawa? 
Loved it. See it. I hope there's a sequel. I can't wait to see him in Infinity War. What happens then determines what happens for the rest of the world. Oh, you know what's funny is that last summer when I went to San Diego Comic-Con, I saw Chadwick Boseman. And he said, hey, this movie's going to be a great one. It's going to be like around your top four. He didn't say it with his mouth, but he said it with his eyes. His soulful eyes. His very handsome face. He was Jackie Robinson, too. Was he? Hmm. Nice. You're right, he was. And just like Jackie Robinson, we're going home. (laughs) Thanks for listening. (laughs) Ha ha ha.